Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, what are we talking about today? I'm excited. Well, Justin, I feel like we've spent several, I don't know how many weeks we've been doing this. What? Probably about 35 weeks now? This is week 11. Oh, okay. Close. Week 11. Close. Uh, Talking, uh, you know, really talking down the medical profession. Sure. Well, you guys have done a lot of, like, wicked bad stuff. Okay. Well, obviously. And like I said, we've spent the last 74 weeks talking about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, as a, as a physician myself, I would like to point out that there were some, there are some stars in our sky of medical history. Is that a good So metaphor? you've, you've found a, a hero of medical history. I think so. I, I, I scoured the records and I found somebody that I really think we can talk about just um, his successes in the world of medicine that really, truly exemplifies what it means to be a physician and to just, you know, take really good care of people and be an all around good person. So no bad things. No bad stuff whatsoever. Just good old fashioned, like nose to the grindstone, hard work. Um, research and medicine. <laughs> okay, sounds like a great combination, Sydney. Who are we talking about? Who is the who's the man of the hour? We're going to talk about Benjamin Rush. Benjamin Rush, hero of medicine. Hero of medicine. Do you know anything about Benjamin Rush? Not a thing. Well, let me tell you some things. First of all, Benjamin was born in 1746 in Pennsylvania. Good start. Uh, he grew up on a plantation. He was one of seven children. He was educated at the College of New Jersey, which would later become Princeton, and he attended med school in Edinburgh, Scotland. He was also fluent in Spanish, French, and Italian, and presumably English. Okay. Uh, One would hope. (laughs) This would become quite the success story, if not making your way in 1700s America. When he returned to the colonies, he opened his own practice, and he taught chemistry, And he actually published the first chemistry textbook. Wow. But if you've heard of him, it's probably because he was one of the first, or he was one of the founding fathers of this nation and a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Wow, that's really impressive. I know. He was a physician. He was a writer. He was a teacher. He was a humanitarian. Uh, He served as Surgeon General to the Continental Army. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I, I told you. I mean, literally everything here is fresh ground for me. I mean, anything you give me here. 
I'm like a babe in the woods. <laughs> he was instrumental in like early uh, preventative military medicine. He went and evaluated uh, how we were caring for soldiers on the on the front lines during the early battles of the Revolutionary War. Um, he was a huge supporter of the Revolutionary War, and he actually would have continued to do so, except he called out one of his superior physicians for misappropriating uh, goods that were supposed to go to soldiers. Wow. Food and wine and stuff. So not only uh, sort of a hero of the battlefield, but also a moral moral man. Definitely a moral man. Uh, he was also a leader in the uh, abolitionist movement. Oh, great. Yeah, that that is, of course, the, uh, the people who fought for slavery being illegal. Yes. Later. They fought, fought against slavery, maybe a better way to put that. That's a more conventional stating, but I was reading from one of their brochures. And right here it says they fought for slavery to be illegal later. That's what it right. says. And they specifically wanted it to be illegal later. <laughs> Free, <laughs> no, the slavery. Free the slaves. Free the slaves, soonish. <laughs> Whenever it's convenient for you, please. We're mad as hell and we're only going to take it for a moderate amount of time after this announcement. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your attention. <laughs> Uh, he was, in addition to advocating for the rights of slaves, he advocated for free public schools. Love it. He sought for improved education for women. Good, great. Uh, more reform in our penal system. <laughs> I knew, I knew you'd laugh at that. Well, I mean, it was a good joke. You wrote a good joke. He was an, he was a leader in the Enlightenment of America. He also, as a physician, promoted public health as well as personal health, community hygiene. He uh, he was one of the first people, even before we really understood that there were germs that could be in water and people could be exposed to, uh, he figured out that if he helped reroute this creek, that it would uh, reduce the rates of cholera and typhus and typhoid and all kinds of illnesses in the area. And he did that, uh, which was a great public health service. So he didn't know about germs per se, but he... he what he just knew there was something some bad water well he was he he believed in like research and in the idea that there was an empiric there was empiric evidence there was a way to kind of figure things out he didn't do a lot of that but he understood that there was a way to kind of systematically figure out an answer to a problem okay real man of science i like that he was he wrote the first case report ever on dengue fever uh he created the first public dispensary so that low-income families could get medications wow that's pretty cool pretty awesome he was also, uh, many people know him for his co contributions to a psychiatric illness, to, to the whole idea of American psychiatry. Um, he was the first one to claim that addiction is a disease. Wow. He also believed that there was a way to uh, morally treat patients with psychiatric illness. So he went into the asylums and said, let's, you know, I mean, they were basically places with dungeons where we chained up people who were mentally ill. And he yeah, said, "Yeah, we got into that a little bit in the lobotomy episode. I mean, with, uh, horrific treatment of, of the mentally ill throughout history. Absolutely. And he stepped in and said, this is not the way to treat these people. We need to get them out of the chains and, and into a regular hospital setting, help them, treat them well, put them to work, give them things that they can do and, and make them invested in their own health. Awesome. Awesome. It's so nice to hear. Uh, you know, a, a real medical, you know, a real medical hero. He really was, Justin. So everybody take a minute today and celebrate Benjamin Rush. Well, thank you guys. This has been Sawbones. Wait, Sydney. Uh, first off, it is in the, uh, the terms 
of our prenuptial agreement that I do sign-ups for all, any and all podcasts that we oh. co-host together. Oh, of course. We'll go ahead. Start that sign-off right now. Okay. No, right about now. Okay. Um, you know, you're in a real rush to get to the sign A Benjamin rush, right you say? Okay. Uh, um, I'm going to let that one slide. You were... <laughs> You you really want to get to the uh, to ending the show? No, no, I don't think so. No, no, Mm-mm. no. I just think. Well, I mean, what else? You know, what else do we need to say? I think we're good, Sydney. I think we're about good. I think a tight Sydney. seven minute show is about all we need, Sydney. Thank you guys, Sydney. Let's hit that. Let's hit that taxpayer song. Sydney. Everybody loves that song, Sydney. Is there something you're not telling me about Benjamin Rush? What would I not be telling you about Benjamin Rush? Well, you're talking like that, which leads me to believe that you definitely, definitely are not telling me something about Benjamin Rush. There, there's like one thing, like, I mean, there are things, everybody did things in their life. I I don't know that we necessarily need to include it in this episode. Well, I don't think it could hurt. Why don't you go ahead and just hit me with it? Just to give people a full, I'm sure... Uh, Benjamin Rush doesn't have uh, any any really notable skeletons in his closet, but why don't you go ahead and just hit me with it? Uh, well, I mean, he just, you know, he, uh, even though he was part of the Continental Congress and he signed the Declaration of Independence, he, you know, he wrote some nasty letters about George Washington. That was pretty much it. I mean, he almost got fired, but then he, he you know, he felt bad about it and he wrote some nice things and it's, it's all okay. It's all okay. You know, no big deal, really. That, that's it. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me the other thing that you are definitely, definitely not telling me? Well, there, you know that whole thing about how he was an abolitionist? Yes, I remember. Remember we had that great bit about <laughs> freeing the slaves later. Right, exactly. You didn't know what abolitionist meant. Right. No, wrong. <laughs> so he so he wrote you know this really great pamphlet about how we shouldn't own slaves in 1773 mm-hmm. uh which is confusing because allegedly he he then bought a slave in 1776 okay um all right he he was just excited about the nation being free i i guess that was how he celebrated he bought a slave, treated treated not, himself to a person. Not the best. No, way. not a best at all. I, and I like to say it was just like a, a, you know, one of those crazy things that you do, like sure, Vegas weddings, you know, in your twenties. But, but um, he, as of seventeen eighty four, when he joined the Pennsylvania Abolition Society, um, he still, as far as we know, he still owned the slave. Oh that, my god! That he bought because he, I, he, he kind of took him to the meeting. <laughs> What? Well, I mean, I don't think he was with him, like, in the room, but, like, I think what? he traveled with him, like, hung out in the hotel. That uh, seems, that just seems odd. It seems odd. Okay, why wouldn't well, you mention this before? Well, I mean, That's I it, know. though, right? I mean, you're, I mean. Well, okay, when I say that it seems odd, I guess I should clarify. If you look at his beliefs on you know um the difference between white people and black people if you look at that it really isn't that odd i guess in context in context of his beliefs wait what okay what beliefs it's well okay so 
1792, he, he wrote um, a statement uh, that basically, I mean, pretty much said that uh, being black was a disease akin to leprosy. Oh, okay. So not, not great. He thought it was curable and that if you lived a good, clean life, you could become white. Who is this man? Okay, so he he wasn't really that great of a guy. Yeah, yeah, he sounds like like kind of definitely not a great yeah. guy. So, and it actually, not only not that great, but maybe not that bright. So he based all this on the idea that there was a slave who probably had vitiligo, which is a condition that can make someone who is you know of darker skin become lighter skinned. Um, and so he thought that hey, maybe everybody who's African American can become white, and he. Uh, and he had this whole idea that, you know, we could cure that. Uh, so he went on to write a paper that basically said white people and black people shouldn't get married. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's, so That's fantastic. Yeah. So I, you know, when we start to talk about it, he's not really such a great guy now. No. I mean, in the context of, well, people and humanity, not a great dude. Got some things right, though. Yeah. Um, but that's all he got wrong. I mean, he had he had outdated views on race. And, and that's very unfortunate. He had pretty outdated views on uh, some other things. Um, he advocated for separate schools for men and women. Okay. Basically, the idea being that, like, we'll teach women, like, about poetry and art and music, and then we'll teach men math and logic because women can't do that. And then we should also teach women to the idea of Republican motherhood. <laughs> just really, in like, patriotic. Yeah, and- just to, like, you know, sit at home and, like, I don't know, sing song, military songs to your kids or something. <laughs> um, and, I, you know. My mom is is a, is an odd per. Before you come over and play Nintendo, I do want to warn you. She sings, uh, you're a grand old flag, you're a high flying flag at the top of her lungs at inopportune moments. Just she, a quick, quick warning, quick she, heads up. And she's probably going to make you so an American flag. Yeah. Uh, and she makes American flagship cookies. And she has a tattoo of a bald eagle on her hip. She shows so, it to company. Just to warn you. <laughs> just to warn you. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a good reminder, Sydney, I think that as we look throughout history, some of these people who were right about things they were experts in, I mean, he was obviously right on everything medically, could have some pretty outdated social views. You know, like it it it's it's an interesting dichotomy. Well, that would be true, Justin, if he were right about medicine. Uh-oh. But he actually, uh, there were a lot of areas where he was off the mark there, too. Uh, okay. So, Benjamin Rush probably shed more blood than any man in history. <laughs> oh, no. He, he was, a, and we, I won't talk about bloodletting because we've talked about it before, but he was a big proponent of bloodletting, which is interesting because we're getting into the the era where it was falling out of favor. He was kind of the, the last guy wearing leisure suits. <laughs> what? The last guy at the disco he, not wanting to give up the, he was that still Studio 54 it. dream. And there, there, a lot of European doctors were saying like, really, we should stop that. And he said no. And as a result, he probably contributed to the deaths of both George Washington and Ben Franklin. <laughs> hey, congratulations, Benjamin Rush. You did it. We didn't need them anyway. Uh, one of the one of the best is he was um, involved in the yellow fever epidemic of 1793, which he he kind of started off badly because he thought it was caused by the smell of 
rotting coffee beans along the Delaware River. <laughs> In case you were wondering, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was that's not a by yellow cause. Fever. Yeah, yellow fever. Well, you know, he must have been so confused when people kept calling it the yellow fever epidemic of 1793 when he kept trying to get the bad coffee smell of today <laughs> epidemic of right now. And uh, he, you know, most of these people he just wanted to treat with bleeding. That was his favorite way to treat people. Or fresh coffee. But, <laughs> you know, you know, you. it's a wonder he didn't come up with that. Yeah. Yeah, let me crack open this Arabica. Mm. <laughs> that could be a whole new Folgers this commercial. This is shit. It'll cure your yellow fever. <laughs> no, it will not actually cure your yellow fever. Um, he also uh, advocated wrapping people in vinegar-soaked blankets until they would sweat it out. You could also then like unwrap them and bathe them in mercury and cold water. water. Mm. Mm, well, mercury. I mean, you'll be distracted you from the yellow fever because you'll be having basically the most annoying day in history. <laughs> He actually later realized that that didn't work. Okay. Hey, to his credit. He um he advocated a lot of mercury use to take it as a diuretic and take it to make you throw up. Uh, there was another cathartic, something that would make you puke, uh, a jalop, J-A-L-A-P, jalop. So you could use that. He advocated that. Um, is that, I mean, that is that worse than like Ipecac and stuff like that? Because we use stuff like that. Uh, it's similar idea, but we don't use Ipecac really okay. anymore. Really? For the most part, no. All right. No, most of the things. That would explain why I've, I've heard about it, but never actually seen it in real life. That would explain no. that. No, I mean, that it, the reason being that, first of all, if you've got something caustic or dangerous in your stomach, um, it may be more dangerous to make it come back up your esophagus. And secondly, we don't want you to accidentally aspirate it down into your lungs on the way back up. So so don't use Ipecac. If you've ingested something, go to a hospital. Go on. We'll wait. Yeah. You just pause it. Pause yeah, your just iPod. pause it. We'll get back to Benjamin Rush when you return. Let's get back to Benjamin Rush. I hope you're feeling better, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you some flowers later. Send us your address. And a review on iTunes. Um, he uh, actually, at the end of the yellow fever epidemic, uh, he was accused of killing more people than he had saved publicly. And uh, by a European doctor, Cobb, and he um, he sued that doctor for libel and won. Hey, well, I mean, you can't get away with with uh, that being that uh, wrong, unless I guess you can. I think it's pretty awesome that you could sue somebody for libel in the 1790s. Yeah, who knew they even had, like, paper? I you mean, didn't I, know they had paper? I knew they had paper, of course, but not ink. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the gag is just that you don't know about medicine. You don't you don't have to pretend to not know about anything. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Got it. And it's not a gag. I really don't know anything about medicine. I know about 10 medical things because I let you talk to me about them for a half hour <laughs> and we record it. And then That's you it. instantly forget them. I instantly forget. Like a tea in the wind. He, uh, he also outfitted- Nell, everybody. Nell, the movie Nell. Did... It's my Nell impression. That was your, okay. Are you done quoting Nell now? I actually, yeah. I mean, even if you wanted me to continue, I don't, I don't have anything. Little man Tate? I could do a little man Tate. And you know what? I you. don't want you to continue, so okay. don't worry. Okay, go on. Uh, he outfitted the Lewis and Clark expedition. Medically. Hey, see, there you go. That's good. You know what he sent him along with? Uh, medicine? How about some Turkish opium? Fantastic. It's great for nervousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes. It probably is. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, Bad for like expediting <laughs> that's what the lewis and clark expedition is still going on to this day Do you guys feel like expeditioning today <laughs> nah, nah me neither it let's chill over 200 years 
pass me those cheetos we invented <laughs> they also which went well with this they all, he also uh told him to take some medicinal wine which i guess was wine i guess this is why everyone calls it the coolest expedition ever <laughs> no expedition afterwards li- would live up to this no wonder sacagawea hooked up with him yeah hey whoa you, you know i've never Turkish been opium? i've never been back on the white band but this is all right <laughs> now on the flip side he also sent with him his patented mercury pills it was just a certain, you know, there were a ton, everybody had mercury pills at the time, but his were known as thunderclappers. Uh, thunderclappers, go on. Well, they worked really well as laxatives, hence the name. Oh, man. You know, this expedition is seeming less cool by the minute. You know what was cool is that he sent, he. I mean, he sent hundreds of these pills with them to take on, I mean, because if you need one thing for an expedition, it's a laxative. Right. So he, he sent... So many of these um, that archaeologists, decades later, were able to use the the mercury from the pills to trace the path of their expedition across the country. Wow. Wow. That is a lot of laxative. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. I think that's pretty. So that, that's pretty cool. Hey, this guy, won't give, this guy won't give up the mercury dream. He must have had stock of mercury for all the uh He the owned a mercury mine somewhere. Yeah. Um, now, I, I do think we should visit, you know, his work with mental illness. Because sure. The one good note, uh, sort of bright spot in his in his uh, medical history now, I guess. There's certainly, you know, it certainly was a good thing. The idea that we should, you know, the moral therapy concept that we need to not chain and, you know, completely lock up people who are mentally ill. Obviously, that was a bad idea. Um, but uh, his reasoning for why does mental illness occur was a little off base again, as most people's was at the time. Uh, it resulted from, he thought, poor circulation to the brain, maybe sensory overload, or maybe bad weather, or blood transfusions from animals to humans, or maybe worms. I feel a storm coming. My trick, my trick brain's acting up. Look at it swell. Size of a melon. Storm. Or maybe it's just sympathy between your brain and your hemorrhoids. Is that you speculating, or is that a Benjamin Rush joint? No, that was a Benjamin Rush joint. Fantastic. Yeah, no, that was not me. Did, did you think that was my guess? I thought you were taking a shot in the dark. You want to push us forward. I have a degree. <laughs> I can see it. It's actually in, in eye shot. But I keep it there during this show to remind myself. Yeah. Um, he also invented the gyrator. Yeah, what's that? That sounds like fun. It was, uh, he, it was for the therapy known as swinging. We're All by, right, yeah, no, no, pioneer. Not, not the fun kind. Uh, you you put a patient in a chair that's suspended from the ceiling with like a chain, and you just swing them around like a top for hours and hours. Only on extreme machines. Stuck on. The idea is that you can get more blood flow to the brain that way. And you can. You could also use like a centrifugal spinning board that he created. Although it's not clear that he ever actually used it in his hospitals. He did try it out with patients where you just strap them to like a giant wheel of fortune and spin them around until their blood rushed to their head. Only our extreme machines. <laughs> <laughs> also, a sensory deprivation chair. Yeah, that's uh, only our extreme machines. <laughs> Are we done with that joke now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was like a, he also called it the tranquilizer chair and you would just strap them to a chair and then put like a box over their head so they couldn't see or hear or speak and then just leave them there for days. That doesn't work. No, I wouldn't think so. No, these are bad ideas in case that wasn't clear. (laughs) We don't do this anymore. No. Okay. He also, and as I said, he advocated like 
letting um, the mentally ill work around the hospital to like, you know, kind of get them back into society, like into, you know, because they're humans, so we should treat them that way. Um, and uh, that inspired a lot of other doctors to do the same thing. So there was this whole time period where doctors were like strapping mentally ill patients to plows. Now that is uh, not that uncommon in uh, The Wolves of the Cala, the fifth novel in the Gunslinger series. Young people who come back ruined after the wolves take them, come back to Cala and are, are put to work that way because they're very strong. And so, be, so it's, I mean, there's a historical basis for that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's the fifth Gunslinger book. Mm-hmm. It's just his, history. Is that your medical reference? Oh, that's history. It's, History? We need to we need to cover what history is at some point. Uh, we'll do that privately. Go on. I'm sorry to have interrupted you with my brief detour into the gunslinger novels. Well, uh, well, this isn't actually one of Benjamin Rush's uh, treatment techniques. I do think it's worth noting that his his therapies inspired another doctor um, to pour a watering can of urine on a patient who thought he was a plant. Not clear how that fixed anything. Don't don't think but. that's a good treatment. But he attributed I his idea you, to Benjamin Rush. I'm not going to give that guy the historical pass that I will extend to so many. You did not, sir, sir, <laughs> sir, sir, you did not think that would help. I do not. You can try to convince me. But you you could try to tell me, oh, I'm an old time guy. I don't know. Any. You knew it would not help. You wanted to pour pee on a human. I also, I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't have an actual watering can, so he used a teapot. Fanta- you couldn't even commit to the bit. <laughs> um, Nightmare. He uh, he also, of course, used a lot more mercury and bleeding for for mental illness as well. That was kind of the mainstay of his um, treatment. He uh, one of the the worst ideas I have to say is he thought um, people who suffered he had observed were less likely to be suffering from mental illness. Um, he really thought that mental illness was more um, something that occurred to the rich and idle. He actually had a list of risk factors for mental illness. So these are the more the ones he cited most frequently. Uh, children of insane parents. Okay, that's probably... That, and that's not totally off the mark. We know now that some mental illnesses have a genetic component. Is insane an offensive term at this point? Like, yeah, we don't use that word. No, um, okay. not no. I mental illness. I mean, yeah. I no. I'm I'm sure you're using his vernacular. Uh, no, these are his, these were his criteria as written by him, not no. as said by me. Um, there were also individuals who were isolated and lonely, such as unmarried persons or women living in frontier settlements. I mean, that like his. I'm not a. I'm not a man of science. I think that the, that we have all gathered this. His inability, yes. his okay, his inability to grasp the difference between like, like re- relation and causation. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, but maybe people who are severely, severely mentally ill probably don't happen into a lot of super stable relationships. Like, what? How did he not see this? Yeah, the, and the, I mean, this is like a hallmark of the time period where people would see. Um, things occurring together and we had no concept of correlation versus causation versus which came first you know uh, who knows Mm -hmm. Um, he also believed that dark hair was a risk factor for mental illness Uh, I I don't know if that could just be extrapolated that more people have dark hair than light hair I don't know Uh, 
he maybe thought, they just want to be special you know as we set themselves apart as we go more general people between the age of 20 and 50 <laughs> good job yeah so not you know didn't want to not everybody necessarily um but again also the rich and idle uh who basically had, as he put it, the leisure to look back upon the past and to anticipate the future and imaginary evils. So if you had time to have a mental illness, then you got one, What? essentially. A panic attack? No, no, no. Tuesday? That's no. I'm much too busy for no that. No good for me. As a result, he thought suffering could cure mental illness. And so in the most extreme cases, uh, some have written that he would cut patients and pour acid in their wounds then he would, um, and this was actually a common medical practice at the time, to keep a wound open, keep irritating it. It was called counter-irritation to prevent it from healing for years because it was thought that that would somehow reduce uh, inflammation elsewhere. That's not true. But it was it was practiced beyond just Benjamin Rush. Uh, he believed a simulated near drowning was good for a patient. And he also observed that in India they would tame elephants through starvation. So he thought, you know, why not try to tame people the same way? Can I say, I... I know we, we we delve into a lot of like really gross medical practices. Um, I could listen to a thousand like rip your toenails off to cure your migraine. Like that does not get to me that much, but the like the way, and, and I know I've mentioned it before, but like the way we have treated mentally ill people in this country over the past ever. In every country. is In this country, in every country is, I mean, it's despicable. And I know that we, I know that's like it's a really complex problem, and we just weren't. It wasn't as easy to crack as like broken arm. And he he was, uh, you know, part of the reason that to this day I and I haven't looked at the seal in a while, but I believe that if you look at like the the seal for the American Psychiatric Association, Benjamin Rush is still on it, is because he was one of the first people to say, you know, mental illness is an illness and not um, the result of demons or possession. So that was a step in the right direction, to be fair, to his credit. All right. Um, and I, I guess the last thing, as long as we're being completely honest, you know, he did believe that um, addiction was a disease and he was a big um, advocate for treating alcoholism as a disease. But mainly he was ardently anti-alcohol. Um, he was anti-sex. He was uh, he advocated against masturbation. Prostitution was actually pretty rampant and accepted practice in the colonies prior to, um, you know, after the revolution and the enlightenment, there was a kind of like a, a new movement for purity and morality and to escape our European evil European values. And so um, he, you know, he was a big part of that movement, uh, which as a result, uh, it didn't do anything to help the quote unquote fallen women who would be stuffed into asylums basically by the dozens uh, because that was the only way that they could get their venereal diseases treated resulting in a lot of women never seeking treatment because the only way you could get it is if you admitted that you'd had sex and then you were put in a in the exact kind of institution that Benjamin Rush wasn't a fan of so full disclosure but other than that totally cool Total hero. Total of hero of Mazin. Uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> We're really sorry about Benjamin Rush and all of his um, his missteps. Uh, we'll, We're gonna get some flack on this one, I think. Why is that? I'm sure there are some Benjamin Rush fans out there. 
I mean, you got to take your heroes as they are. You know, you don't know? don't make idols out of anybody. They're, That's what the La Bible exactly. says. Exactly. They are only as good as their time and the science of the time and their understanding and the social situation. And, and how racist they are. And how and racist they are. Are they super racist? That I, might be a, a, a problem for them. Why do they all hate women so much? That's, That's a, a great, great question. question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to Sawbones. We hope you had a lot of fun. Uh, want to thank the people that uh, uh, gave us a review on iTunes this week, like Redmond KC, Spewbag, Lumpy Space Girl, uh, Chris Co Kid, uh, Malin Marine Extreme, LQ Tech, Darren505, Stockholm X, Tatooine, Tatooine Dweller, Cornbread Guy. <laughs> Boy, people are just <laughs> plops that just won't stop. That's fantastic. Cased over Shields. Uh, and 61, Kenjamin Franklin, Mountain Thunder, Soapbox Hero 81, Little No, so many others. Um, thank you. And uh, uh, Cobble 75, who proves you don't have to be eloquent or long winded in your review. Cobble 75 says, I like this. You will like it as well. It is interesting and funny. I like that. Thank you, Cobble. To the point. So if you wouldn't mind uh, hopping over to iTunes to give us a review, that really helps us out a lot. And uh, maybe share the show with a friend. So many of you have been great about tweeting with the at uh, Sawbones uh, username and sharing the show with people like Bethany, Trish, Beth, Nick, Zach, Glennis, Lizzie, uh, Alema, Mitch, Alan. Thank you so much for, for doing that. And please share the show with folks. Uh, it's, it's the only way we grow. We don't advertise. Um, you can also uh, tweet at us, at Justin McElroy. And she's at Sydney McElroy, S-Y-D-N-E-E. And uh, we want to encourage you to listen to all the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network, like Judge John Hodgman, Stop Podcasting Yourself, Jordan, Jessica, Bullseye, One Bad Mother, Wham Bam Pow. My brother, my brother and uh, me. Thank you, Sydney. You're welcome. And uh, make sure to join us again next Friday for Sawbones. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.